0: I last man to bring it through so today is July 3rd one of my favorite days of the year because yeah I'm not into themed holidays I'm pretty much too alpha for that I don't I, that all made sense when like you're seven and it was Halloween or something yeah I don't need that anymore Give me the day off. I'll decide what to celebrate. But July 3rd is fun. Because if I'm in town running some errands or run into some local dunce I like, and they'll be like, Dunce doing for the 4th. And my favorite thing to do is just look at him and shake my head like I've never heard it before of it before in my life. They get pretty agitated trying to explain it to you. Good patriotic fun. Here comes some more theme music. I'm sticking you smack lips to stack tip, All with the lyrical technique For party passes, liquor spill and mayhem Punk hot to play them, super bitches to say them It's all serious biz, no time remains For the cattle defecation You spitting right in this train, what the f*** I am the great Unclean One Welcome back to Breakup Gaming Society Episode 58 Home to America's Least Responsible Board Game Podcast We're going to cover three things today One Drink of the Week, it's going to be a look back at a compendium of cocktails invented for this show. Only one of which is good, because an actual person designed it. The rest were done by me. They're not good. Game of the Week. Back in episode 52? 62? I forget. I made no secret that I was absolutely bowled over in love with the indie tabletop role-playing solo game called Dead Belt, produced by a couple of drakes. It's easy to find. A couple of drakes.h.io. I don't know how. They're prodigious. I don't know how they get more than any... As many games out as they do. But Dead Belt is my jam. Now, last time, I had just barely fumbled my way through one mission, but since then, my little void rat, that's the name of the character class i chose has survived four missions and might have a foothold on liquidity the money required to get your character out of the game which is the uh, which is the goal so we're going to tell some dead belt stories it's not fun out there belters so you can live vicariously through me then lastly it's not just track of the week we're going to talk about some uh, hip hop tracks that have I tend toward hyperbolic speech, but these fucking things have got me through some rough moments, and I'm gonna I'm gonna um, share them with you. But first, let's have a, a salute for the people on Twitter, especially fellow podcasters who have organized and elevated us, so you don't just feel like it's you and your mic floating around out there in space. I speak in particular of Brendan Costello of At Unsheft guy who knows a lot about food, a voluble human with a generous spirit, who lashed together a sort of survival raft of indie podcasts, including mine, and said, for a kickoff project, how about we all run ads for each other on each other's things? So this is the last in the cycle. I finally got to the end, and it's fitting that it highlights um, Brendan and his work. He's a trained chef who decided he wanted to use his passion for and knowledge of food, doing something other than banging his brains out in a kitchen. Here's his ad. Thank you, Brendan. Hello, everyone. This is Brendan from the Unchef podcast. Each week on Unchef, we unpack a topic regarding the politics and history of our plates, in the hope of becoming better eaters. That's Unchef. Available now on your preferred podcast network. And there you have it. Shout out once again to Brendan of Unchef. His show really is worthwhile. He digs into some stuff. He's like me when I get wound up talking about music and producers and weird families of sub-remixes, except he knows more about his arena than I do about mine. Also want to salute all my pals at the Brain Trust, which is what we've come to call this ad hoc group of folks that are very cool and uh, bright and each have their own unique takes on their topic area. Here we go. We're going to come back in just a matter of seconds and talk about chaotic cocktails that your friends will hate. Drink of the week. So here and there, we have paid homage to what I think is the hilarious sprawl of the Warhammer 40,000 sci-fi universe by inventing... Shots and drinks in tribute to uh, four of the universe's demon gods. Um, And just, you know, I figured these are awful entities. So awful drinks will probably be, you know, on theme, on brand. If you go on to the blog, BreakupGamingSociety.com, I believe the most recent blog post is called uh, Chaotic Cocktails That Your Friends Will Hate. Um, they are not endorsed by Games Workshop, nor would I recommend them to any human, really, with the exception of the last one, which was formulated in tribute to Zeech, who's the sort of changer of ways, the architect of fate. And uh, I reached out to Atzker Vonnegut, who designed a drink um, that involved uh, bourbon, cocoa bitters, galliano, and goldschlager. It's kind of like looking at my DNA. You'd look at it and and think, there's no way this should work in real life. But somehow it does. And, uh, you know, in recent weeks, it was delicious. I I knocked back four or five of them the first night I actually bought his recommended ingredients and made them. It's a nice summer drink. But something's been nagging me. I went back to skirt and I'm like, dude, what in God's name do I garnish this with? And, And he was stuck. But a couple weeks back ago, I was on a self-date at a Colorado Springs restaurant called Cowboy Star, which, by the way, I highly recommend. If you're ever in Colorado Springs, stop and have their muscles. What was in that muscle skillet is a poem I'm still trying to decipher. But I was talking to the gal behind the bar, told her about the drink, and told her I was stuck for a garnish. And she recommended either dehydrated apples sprinkled with cinnamon, or, I guess, somewhere you can buy edible gold flakes, which I'm going to try and report back on later on. But if uh, you don't take yourself or your liver too seriously, go to the blog, Chaotic Cocktails That Your Friends Will Hate, at BreakupGamingSociety.com. That's the drink of the week. Um, the Switch is flipped. If it stays hot for enough days, I lose interest in brown liquors, and I start buying vodka again. And I mixed again uh, a drink that I tried my hand at last summer, made it again a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to be talking about that, that next time. It used to be a staple of bar-going culture that kind of di- uh, died away, but I brought it back. Coming up, we are going back to the belt to hear some stories about what happened to my character the last four times I tried to raid and pillage abandoned sp- starships for profitable junk and barely came back alive. Game of the Week's coming up. Game of the Week. Game of the Week. As promised, we are returning to the belt, that is, Dead Belt. Here's the premise quickly. It's a very affordable, lightweight game where you can use your own components and markers and a deck of cards and a pencil and a character sheet to feel what it's like to be a desperate scavenger who's got the bank squeezing him from one side and death in the void squeezing him from the other. Um, so I, since the time I first talked about this game, I've run four missions and managed to survive them. Now, is my position currently tenable? I don't know, but I had some great stories. So I, you know, I took notes, and here are four capsulized adventures and misadventures in space and and sort of uh, what was happening to me. So uh, run number two. Now, my first run was incredibly lucky. I stumbled onto a payday card very early in my exploration, managed to extract... The hardware I found there and thought I was off to a pretty good start. I was like, I'm going to crush this game. Well, here comes regression to the mean because when you break it out and just play the hell out of it for a whole weekend, turns out eventually the bad does start to chase the good. So on uh, on run number two, um, I established an airlock on a class one civilian wrecked freighter. Or, uh, sorry, wrecked one merchant class freighter, my bad and um, got on board the ship and then first compartment I go into there's a hull breach and it's just me and or getting sucked out into the void, hopefully or luckily, I was able to expend a, a class of goody called gear roll double sixes on the check and just moonwalk out of that cursed compartment and right into another compartment where I found another payday piece of hardware called the primary gravity boot. Now there was only one heartbreaker in that, and that is I have the starter craft. It does not have a lot of cargo space. And while I was hauling the primary gravity boot back to the airlock to get the hell out of there, I decided to expend glow. Glow is like a, a super flashlight you can use to scout a room before committing to it. And just for the hell of it, I popped my glow on into an adjoining room, and it was stacked with goodies, none of which I could transport. So I just, I got my primary gravity boot, and I got the hell out of there, feeling pretty good about myself. Until, of course, when I returned to the space outpost, and my creditor, BBVA Compass Galactic, decides to uh, up my compound interest so uh my, my my feeling of triumph was short-lived. That was run 2. Run number 3. I get up the next morning, I think it's Saturday, sitting there with my boxer's playing again. I find yet another tier 1 merchant craft. Seems to be my talent. Uh this one was tough. I crashed into the cabin um, I ran into a block, had to go back to my airlock, airlock and the next room I got cornered by a, a vulture gang. And, you know, basically what I picture is like you just got cornered by Nelson Munts and, and Jimbo and Kearney because, you know, they don't hurt you, but they shake you down for your space launch money. And because of having run into them, I now have to pay more upkeep every time because apparently they can find me on my subsequent runs and make sure that I continue to pay up. Ran into another room where I encountered a system lockout. Now I passed the check, but then I found um, a a compartment of the ship that that had a, a recording log from the people who were on the ship a long time ago. And what I heard on that recording told me that it was time to cut bait And uh, it was not a good run. And I think my loan officer from BBVA Compass Intergalactic must have been watching me pull back into the landing bay and seen my face through the, the window in the cockpit because no sooner do I come off the gangplank or I get offered a bigger line of credit, which I took because I'm desperate. Run number four. This one was just a mess. Set off klaxons, and I started doing something called failing my gas checks. Your oxygen is always in question, and most of the time you can pass them pretty well, but if you start to fail them, the range on which you can succeed in subsequent rooms gets smaller and smaller. Then the lights went out on the ship, then I uh, wandered into a room that was full of radiation. And uh, I failed another gas check and decided to haul ass back to the airlock and try another day, except I kept running into blocked rooms and had to go back. That was the closest I've, that I've come to dying so far, my little void rat, whom I've named Chauncey. But I stuck with it throughout the weekend and went back out for run number five. And boy, do I scarcely believe my luck. The the bulk of the craft showing up on my sensors tells me it is a Tier 3 military bird. Big-ass destroyer with lots of compartments. So I decided to, you know, run my airlock into the rear starboard area. And uh, I walk right into a payday again. A secondary compression housing. I strip it, which destabilizes the ship and makes it break in two. And on my way back, encounter a room that spawns pirates. Now, pirates are worse than vultures. Vultures just want to shake you down for cash. Pirates will slit your space uh, spacesuit open and uh, laugh at you while you decompress. Um, here's the neat part. I was only one compartment away from my airlock, and the pirates had spawned on the part of the ship that had broken up, broken off, and started to drift away. So, good luck, jerks. Um, My cargo bay is stuffed, and I I break the airlock and get out of there and um, came back and flipped it and decided to flirt with death and incur even more debt to buy a bigger ship, Um, the Jackdaw, I think it is, which hopefully um, will make it worth it, maybe trying it an extra few rooms because I'll be able to stash more cargo in there. Um, But, you know, one of the interesting notes I made for myself is that this game's really interesting in finding out how desperation, greed, and reason cohabit in your mind. Sean and Navi, uh, the husband and wife team who made the game, have talked about their different play styles and how uh, Navi, Navi, I'm sorry, I still don't know how to say it. Uh, you know she'll she'll find a you know a a goodie on a a wreck on a wrecked ship and scoot while sean is i think more inclined to press your luck and charge through extra few rooms but i think i'm more in the navi school of things I, i hit a payday i'm just i'm just gonna go back and see if i can keep my upgrade going and do a minor but there it is there it is Four more missions under my belt. So that's one character that has survived five missions. I'd love a look into the databanks to find out what the uh, longevity is of a character, on average, in Dead Belt. And find out if, you know, I'm already, (laughs) with five trips under my belt, some kind of unlikely veteran. But the fact is, I've got a better ship now, but I'm a couple ticks away from hitting a really bad debt trigger. So this ship has to pay off. I have to be able to stuff it with some great stuff. And not find any more pirates or predatory nanobots. Or uh uh yeah. And and, and see if I can if I can get out of this game. Then maybe try it again with uh, one of the other character classes, each of which have their own strengths and backstory. But the goal's always the same. Make your scratch and get the hell out of the belt. But right now I'm in the belt, enjoying it very much. I think you will too, once again. Take a look at their work. A couple of drakes, .hitch, .io, coming back in a sec with some glorious slabs of sustaining hip-hop for Track of the Week. Track of the... Get this... Barbershop quartet bullshit out of here. What the hell yeah, is this supposed really? Javerny, be a Dan you boy blue, band fangle, you got going on bullshit? here? That is kind of stupid. Fucking next starving. Relax and take a seat. Sit back and play the beats and blast it in your jeep. It's the track of the week. I'm ratchet in the streets. Talk trash to the geeks. Get smacked in the beat. It's the track of the week. And so it was as the sun set and the four LED moons. Rows over my shitty faux marble countertops That I would find myself often in the last few weeks Just still stuck at my computer Neck throbbing Ability to concentrate long gone But having to grind it out And I was like, I need some new mixes Because I was like so twitchy That stuff with the lyrics was kind of setting me off And so it was that I came upon Nervous Records, Old School Underground mixes, Volumes 1 and 2. Between the two of them, they comprise 110 minutes of milky, milky beats. And I know I should probably do my research and find out who mixed it, who engineered it, put it all together. Because they're rich and seamless. I almost don't like knowing. Because to me, they've become something like divine transmissions. And uh, if you're looking for something that hits that sweet spot between sort of gets you pumped up and is sort of meditative at the same time, these are the mixes. Now, I'm not going to drop snippets today for a couple of reasons. One, I'm exhausted, and I just do not have the wherewithal right now to track down a 30-minute MP3 and wrestle with it right now. Plus, kinda, what's the point? Dropping 50 seconds out of one of these dreams would—it would be almost like just zooming in on three tiles of a Byzantine mosaic and being like, "See, You're cool." You kind of have to let him soak in. And uh, I, I'm just gonna show you—you with you know—one of my favorite moments. I was frazzled sitting in the chair, still writing, 7.38. I just want to lie down, but I can't. They blend over the course of several, you know, patient seconds. There's a transition between beats, and all of a sudden they drop a little sample from It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, one of the uh, England-British concert snippets that pepper that album. And then just this really satisfying snare kicks in. And then my hands come off the keyboard, and I I, I stop, and I'm like, is that the bass line that Pete Rock used in the House of Pain Jump Around remix? And it was. And and the way they just massage it, it's 110 minutes of music, and I'm just telling all you heads out there that these two mixes aren't, they're not beats. This is self-care. No kidding. No shit. So, uh, once again, if you're just looking for uh, something to throw on, you could throw this on during a party, you can throw it on during uh, a work day, works either way. It's magic. Nervous old school mixes. Uh, un- I think it's Nervous Old School Underground Hip Hop, Volume 1 and Volume 2. And, um, I don't know if you use Spotify or what. I use YouTube music because as a fan and a finder of, you know, who has to have such and such remix of this or that, while the sound quality is sometimes frustrating, YouTube has everything. A lot of the stuff, you go on iTunes, you go on Spotify, it's just not there. So yeah, nose around on Google. Throw it on and rock with me. Couple parting thoughts. I realized I had to get into a different mindset to go on a good self date, and that I had all these things I wanted to do, but because I had set up a date as a sine qua non of being able to do any of them, I I didn't do it. But I was stuck in Colorado Springs, and there's this tapas bar I always wanted to try, and I was like, why am I waiting? And I got all Crazy blinged out Got into some clothes that I didn't fit into Last December And I still don't look great at them But I got into them And I just sat at the bar With a copy of Harper's And chatted up the staff And Very uh, uh, Reverently Tasted my way through Three items on their menu and every time I just, you know, didn't want to be in the room, I would just flip through the magazine, and I found this poem. going to read it to you. I'm, I've read it probably six, seven times since. I'm still unpacking it. And I can't tell what all is in it, but I can tell it's perfect. I mean, herein is the joy and the craft of contemplating a snowy night. And teasing out everything that might live in that night. It's it's called Joy by Jeffrey G. O'Brien. Like motion, clouds and cold, the advantages of being, also its disadvantages. My child was sleeping lightly, crying out from time to time in response to one dim version of the satire of night. All complaints and fears that pull white talk from sleepers unawares are about the one thing he would return to in a few bad minutes. Snow quilting the streets, and the idea of a good 19th century still coming down as suggestions. In such a dire ease, in the charity of that situation, you begin again to feel time can be kept if you observe its flow as fall. I turned off the overhead, for an invisible environment that held what it did, managed the adversaries, external and internal, so that I was, if not proof, liable and raw enough to set down the following, though not in these words. It's a joy to be hidden, disaster not to be found. This applies especially in the world of goods and services and cosmic alphabets. The reverse is also true, and the two truths unite in a description not meant for the toy of thought a person is at night, thinking I had heard him while knowing I hadn't. Certain of nothing but an atomized fall, muffling ambient sound, the weather became nearly personal just as a cry from the other room is and is not meant for me, who is now mostly snow's airborne ambivalence while the vertical decided where to lie down. The additional layer played at thin tranquillities, it seemed I wouldn't be free to use or be that much used by, would be done before I was, had at most one echo of an act left. Before the streets reverted from glow to bleakness, I understood to be the temporary gift, then sends now for silence to frost or destroy that the light dedicated in the lampposts zippering up the block will hasten or delay. Like any good theorist, folding in time, I let the snow fall where it would, there to begin its second fate on the ground. I thought, as you will, have guessed by now I was telling the future, what it needed to know but the transcript shows after changing and putting him back to sleep, only this, my taking briefest advantage of a relative absence of people on the street, to ask the past for help. Friends I've never met, lying in the unopened letter of your beds, the light that is off is still a light. There you go. Once again, that's Joy, with an asterisk in the title, by Jeffrey G. O'Brien. Goddamn good poet. At least according to my podcast. Thanks for being a pal and a homie, hanging with me for uh, this Roughly twenty-eight minute excursion into board games, booze, hip-hop, self-journaling, and a little poetry at the end. This is the great unclean one saying, may you fight long and well.